I love it when the offering takes long. I love that. It's always good. So, just kidding. Help me out here. Help me. Let's loosen up, everybody. Loosen up. Oh, man. Hey, how many of you like to run? Anybody here like to run? Okay, there's two types of people in the world, people who love to run and people who think those people are weird. Anyway, so, <laughs> you know what's funny is that we all say we don't like to run, but oh, I forgot to dismiss our kids. Man, I do this every time. Let me just, hey, middle high school students, you're dismissed your group. I am so sorry. I never get that right. That's why they never let me do family life. Anyway, start all over. There are two types of people in this world, people who like to run and people who think those people are weird. But the truth is, is that we're all running. We're all running in our lives. We're all running at that. The, the truth is that we've never been busier. That we're running at work. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I got to go check out this job. I got to do this. I got this project. I got this assignment. I'm, I'm running. I'm running. Or we're running with our kids. We're running our kids to school. We're going to ball. We're going to dance. We're just, we're running. We're in this thing of running. Or, or, or we're just we got overwhelmed, like we're running, we're trying to get everything done and get the yard work done and everything like that. We just, we're just in a constant state of running. But is all our running taking us anywhere? Or are we like someone on a treadmill who's running, but you're really not going anywhere? You're going, there's a lot of effort, and I'm not against treadmill running. Well, if I had to sum up the message today is that I want you to run to win. I want you to run to win. I want all your running to matter. I want it to matter. I want it to make a difference. I want you to be fulfilled. I want to see God work in your life through your effort. And the scriptures talk about uh, that Paul actually uses this analogy. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. Everybody's running. Everybody's running. But the only one person gets the prize. And then he says this, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, meaning you, 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 we can train and do stuff here, and it's going to fade away. He says, but there is a prize out there, but we do it for an eternal prize. I want you to run to win. And so I started to think about people when, at times in our lives when running is enjoyable. There are times in our lives, or when we watch people who are running, where they just simply love running. And I thought about... Baseball, softball, or kickball. Now, how many of you played kickball growing up in school? Now, people who, who, who run the bases, people who run the bases, you never see anybody run the bases with a sad face. You ever say, I hate to have to keep scoring all these runs. No, no. People run the bases. When people run, you see somebody hit a home run, it's like, you know, run the bases and everything like that. We see people running the bases, and man, they are so excited. They're so excited. They're so fired up. As a matter of fact, not only are they excited, it, it excites everybody around them. That if they're on that team and somebody's running the bases, if somebody simply gets to one base, man, we're excited. We're, we're super excited. And so I want to talk to you about running today. Four things that you can do, four ways that you can run. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about each one of these from a base. Just, just if you're going to run to win, and look, every analogy breaks down. None of this works without Jesus Christ. So if you're sitting there going to dissect it, go ahead. I'm good with it. But I want to give you four things running the base. The first is this. First base, attend. Attend. That if you're going to win and follow Jesus Christ, 
that you've got to attend. You've got to attend. They say that 90% of life is showing up. Here's the thing about first base. You don't win by getting to first base, but you can't get to the other bases until you get to first. And so attendance is super important. And there's this all-out war on attendance in, in our culture that, that the enemy wants you not to attend. He wants you not to come. I'm just telling you, you'll wake up on Sunday morning, and he'll put thoughts in your head like, man, Gary, he's not that good. You don't want to go hear him. And, you know, he's, getting, he's putting on weight. You know, he's got the same old stories. Or, you know, or, you know, I'm so busy, I just need to rest today. You ever had those thoughts? I just got to, I, I need to stay home today. I got, I got to rest and, and, and look, I'm not against rest. This is not, and this is not me being militant about that you've got to attend. I'm not here to say, hey, you know, remember when uh, years ago churches would give out pins for people who had never missed? You know, they've been there. And look, I'm not against that either. But it was just this whole up about it. attendance. But here's the part about attendance. It is super important that things happen simply by your just showing up. That things happen just by showing up. I have found this to be true in my life. The times in my life where I was kicking and screaming about going somewhere, especially when it came to the Lord, were the times where God spoke to me the most. There are times where he has whipped my tail, like I've had to bend over, where he's like, you do, I've told you all this, where, where I felt like the Lord was telling me, you don't know everything. Like I'd be going to this event where in my flesh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, and I get there, and man, God speaks to me supernaturally through something. And I ride home and he goes, see, shut up, Gary, you don't know everything. Just do what I tell you. Just, just attend. Like it's super important that you and I have this consistent attending. As a matter of fact, look at the scripture right here. And let us not neglect the meeting, our meeting together. This whole part about gathering and attending and being together. He says, not neglect. Because even back then, it was an issue. It was an issue back then. He says, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That, man, we ought, we ought to want to be together. It ought to be, it ought to be like a calendar appointment that, boom, I'm going to church. Just like we've got other things on our calendar appointments. It's super important. Now, here's a couple of things about first base. In baseball, kickball, or softball, there are four ways to get to first base. One, you can get a hit. And that may be some of y'all. You may be hitting it and knocking it out of the park. And then, listen, praise God that you're here. Two, you can get a walk. It's called a free pass. Maybe you're here today because somebody brought you that you didn't do anything, they just they invited you, just to, you're just here, man, you're just here checking it out. Man, keep checking it out, free pass. Three, you can strike out, but the catcher missed the ball, and you can run as hard as you can. And maybe you're here today and you've struck out, and you're wondering, man, I don't know, I'm just here, I'm just checking out, I've struck out, I'm trying to figure this thing out. But you're here. And then four, you can get hit by the pitch. You ever been hit by a baseball? Maybe that's you today, that you're in some pain, that you've been hit by a lot of stuff. But here's the good news, no matter what category you're in. Everybody here today, listen to me, here's the great news. You're on first base, you're here. I am literally preaching to the choir today. You're here, you're on first base. Look at the scripture right here. That Jesus talks about, because we all think that, you know, I, I can do my own thing, that I don't really need the church, uh, you know, that I, 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 can, I can make it on my own. We have, this, we have this, this individualism in us. And Jesus is talking, and he says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. 
And he says, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit, it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I am them, will produce much fruit. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Jesus is just simply saying, hey, that there's something that happens when we're together, that we stay together. And we're, like I said, it only works through Jesus Christ. I'm not asking for some, just some practices. This is my hesitation to tell you that you can do the, you can do everything I'm saying today without Jesus and it's not going to work. But you can do everything I'm saying today with Jesus and you're going to see something supernatural happen. First thing is a tip. Second thing is serve. Now, the rest of the bases can go in any order. Uh, but I just happen to choose an order. The second is serve. Now, people more than ever are skeptical of the church. That a lot of people think the church wants something from them. Now, I'm going to tell you something that happened last week. And this is when I, 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 I hesitate because it's going to think that I'm picking on somebody. I'm not. But last week we had, I don't know if you were here last week, we had the kids come on the stage. Do you remember that? Well, let me just back up here. The hardest thing we do on Sunday morning is family life. It is hard to tie it in. It's hard to teach it. It's everything like that. When we do family life, people that do family life, you can mess up family life easier than anything else that we do on Sunday morning. Whenever last week we had family life, we had the kids come in. Well, anyway, some kids came on the stage too soon. Anyway, Elijah was doing family life. And, and, and so he got a little rattled, which I've been there. I, that's why they don't, you heard me. I messed up family life just now. Just messed it up. So this is not me busting a lot. Elijah's a great family life person. He's a great servant. Does a great job all the time. But in this moment... He got a little rattled. And so he got to the connect card part and he said, hey, we want you to fill out a connect card because we want to get some information from you. I'm like, that's not what I want. <laughs> and nobody filled out a connect card last week because we all have this fear that people want something from us and the church wants something from us. And so when we talk about serve, everybody thinks, well, they just want something from me. They want to get, they want to wear it. They're going to ride me till I break. But what I want you to see is this. You don't win just by getting the first base. But you've got to run the bases. And one of the bases is serve. That we're constantly looking that, that just as, as God has wired us, as he's created us, as he's made us into the people that we're supposed to be, one of the things that is, is that we're to serve. Now, I talk about this a lot, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But if you want to serve, if you're thinking, where can you use me? Where could I serve? I'm just going to give you this one word, everywhere. We need people everywhere. We need them everywhere. Kids, worship, uh, first impressions, we need people everywhere. Let me share this with you. We need you. We need you. We need you to serve but I don't want something from you. I want something for you. That this is part of you winning in your faith. That Jesus said that I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures here. For we are God's masterpiece. That God made you into a masterpiece. That he, you are one of a kind. You are special. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That God, when he created you, he created you to serve. He created me to serve. That we're to be servants. 
We're, and, and, and I don't ever apologize for this. I think one of the places that we ought to be serving the most is, is his church, that we ought to serve the church, that we ought to love it, we ought to serve it, we ought to, we ought to think of ways that we can volunteer that we can help because it is the one thing that Jesus Christ is coming back for. Hear me on this. He's not coming back for your business. He's not coming back for UGA football. He's not coming back for the Braves. He is coming back for his church, his bride. And man, we ought to be wanting to do everything we can to make that great. And then here's the scripture right here. And we talked about this a while ago. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you, that he's given you some faith, he's given you some abilities. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to the, to the other. That we're all part of this, we're all in this together, and so we've all got to serve. Now, you ever have a time in your life where your body part's not working? Like, I've had Achilles problems. I, uh, I'm getting older. Leslie and I both laugh about when we wake up one day, there's something's hurting. You know, we're like, what happened? What did I do? And they say when you get older, what doesn't hurt doesn't work. And so, but I started to think about, there are times when, you ever had the stomach bug? Man, there's nothing worse than the stomach bug, is there? As a matter of fact, when people say they got the stomach bug, people, this is what people do to me sometimes. I walk up, I say, how are you doing? They're like, I'm doing good. I just got over the stomach bug. I'm like, what in the what? What am I going to do with this? <laughs> I used to try to be polite and do like that. Now I just go, hey, I'm going to wash my hands. I don't really want the stomach bug. That's what I tell people. And when you get the stomach bug, your body is refusing to go forward. It's refusing to go forward. You're just not going to go on with your daily life. You know, as a matter of fact, somebody told me uh, last week that their wife had the stomach bug and that she literally spent part of the night laying on the bathroom floor. You ever been there? I've been there. That is miserable. Your body will not go forward until things get right. And I'm not saying you're a virus, okay? Don't anybody take me saying, hey, I'm your virus. What I am saying is this. When you stay here, you're telling the body you're not going forward. I'm not going forward. I'm going to camp out right here. And we don't win in our faith. The kingdom doesn't win when we're not running the basis. So we go to serve. Third base, and again, these could be in any order. Grow. August 21st, write this date down. You're going to see out in the atrium. We're going to have all these growth groups. We're, we're going to have sign-ups. We believe in groups. We believe that you ought to attend in big group. And then we, we believe that, man, it'd be great if you were to get into a smaller group, that we think it's super important. We've got all kinds of groups. You're going to see them in the next couple of weeks. At, starting on the 21st, we'll have sign-ups. You'll hear about groups. Uh, I'm super excited about the lineup we have for this semester. We do semester-based groups. We do semester-based groups, and which means you're in for a season, and then we take a break, and then you're in for another season, just kind of like school, and that's how, that's how the rhythm runs. And what's funny is that there's a scripture that says that, uh, and, and somebody used this, uh, I think it might have been at Celebrate Recovery uh, when I heard it, that reminded me, the scripture 
comes from, I think from 1 Corinthians it says, bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. Meaning you, you hang around and things are bad, it's, it's eventually going to drag you down. But here's the funny thing about that scripture. The opposite of true of that scripture. Good company raises your morals. That when you get in a group, when you decide that you're going to run, and, and like I said, these are all interchangeable. You could go from first base to a group, then to serve. You could do whatever. But you need to get in a group that Jesus had a group of 12 and he had a group of three that we are called to be in community with one another, to be in this relationship community, to we're in a small group. Now, here's the thing. I know that's scary. A lot of people are scared. Here's the good th news about semester-based groups. You don't have to go back. Just go that one semester, and then you don't ever have to go back and see those people again. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Literally, you can change groups like changing classes. You could go to a group one semester. But I think what you're going to find is and whatever group you choose, there's some people out there just like you. They got the same issues with you. They want to have a better marriage. They want to learn how to raise their kids. They want to know how to handle their finances. They're dealing with grief. They want to be a better man. They want to be a better woman. They want to be a better follower of Jesus. They want to experience God. They want all these things that we can't get to in a Sunday morning service all the time. And so it happens in a group. And if you look at the scripture, it talks about the church when it started. This was what the church did. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes. Our groups meet here on campus. They meet in homes. They meet in coffee shops. They meet all around for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals together with great joy and generosity. That they were simply wanting to be in a smaller group of community together. Now, I've been with this men's group for, for years that I've had some guys I've been trying to work with for years. And I mentioned, I'm going to move all this because there's, there's some feedback. I mentioned one time that I was meeting with some men at Roosters. You know where Roosters is in Mansfield? Every other Tuesday. I said, I meet with some guys every other Tuesday. I don't meet there anymore at Roosters. It was it just, it, honestly, it was too loud. Uh, but we met there for a long time. And we did a Bible study in there. I said, it's every other Tuesday, 6.30, I just happened to mention it in the sermon. I just, just threw it out there. Well, that following Tuesday, one of the guys showed up. He wasn't invited. He wasn't not invited. He just wasn't invited. He showed up. He said, I heard you mention this in your message. And over the last two years, I've watched the Lord work in his life. You know why? Because he's built friendships. He found out that people cared about him. He was prayed for. As a matter of fact, one of the guys in our group was traveling to Chipley, Florida, where this guy's mom and dad lived and stopped by and saw his parents. And the guy called me in tears and said, I can't believe that, that he would take the time to see my parents because his parents' health are ailing. I don't know about you, but I need a group like that. I need people that are going to care for me. And I need a group like that because I need to care for other people. Look at the scripture right here. 
from Ecclesiastes, very familiar verse. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, hey, yeah, you can go it alone, but you got a better chance when you're together. And so, get in a group. Attend, serve, grow. And then finally, you know the best part about running the bases is getting home. I don't ever see anybody across home plate that's not excited. Super excited. Not only are they, they excited, everybody on the team, you ever watch somebody hit a home run? The person that hit a home run is dancing, but the rest of the team, man, they're, they're pumped. The last one's go. Attend, serve, Grow and go. We're to run the bases, and then we're to help others run the bases. That's what we do. That, if, you want to, if you want to put an analogy of following Jesus in a very simple term, and I'm, look, I know every analogy breaks down. I know it does. But we're to run the bases, and we're to help others run the bases. We're to run the win, and we're to help others to run to win. And Jesus says this, Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus' last command was, go, go, go to your neighbors, go to your friends, go to your family, go, 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 just, just keep going, you keep going. And sometimes this is the missing piece. A lot of times people, they're willing to attend, they're willing to serve, they're willing to get in a group, but a lot of times this is the part that, like, man, that people kind of get scared of. And it reminded me of Acts 9. It's one of my, my favorite stories where Paul, who has been against the church, against Jesus Christ, as a matter of fact, he had been there when some of the followers of Jesus had been killed. He had been having them thrown in prison. And then he has an experience with Jesus that changes his life. And he has this experience, but he needs somebody to help him. He needs somebody to go to him. In Acts 9.10, it says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Now, let me ask you a question. If you think, if you, don't you think if you had a vision from the Lord that you would immediately do what he said? Like if you were there, I think I would. I'd be like, okay, I got you. I got it. I'm in. I'm in. Well, anyway, Ananias has this vision from the Lord. It says the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. And Ananias says, yes, Lord. And then the Lord goes in such great specifics. This is what he says. Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Very specific, very specific. God says, hey, go over to Straight Street. Now, I just think if God is speaking to me and visiting, and he said, hey, Gary, go to Porterdale. Go out to the river. Look for somebody who's praying for me. I think I would just do it. I think, okay, I'm in. I'm going to go. I'm gonna, Leslie, where are you going? I'm going to Porterdale. I don't know why. The Lord told me. 
That's not what Ananias does. He says, he is praying to me right now, and I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming to him and laying hands on him so that he can see again. Here's Ananias' response. But Lord, we call these people the Christian butts. <laughs> Whenever the Lord tells them, they got, but, but, you know, but, but, but. He says, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. And then the Lord just says one thing, go. So here's the thing about running the bases. In baseball, in kickball, in softball, you only win when you come home. And God's calling us to go. We've got names on the cross right here, people that we want to see come to faith. It ought to be the priority of our life to pray, to ask God, to put ourselves in circumstances and situations where we can tell people about Jesus Christ. One of the things I asked uh, my staff to do this month was to, to make 10 big asks, 10 big asks that they're going to ask. And two of the asks, they're going to ask people to come to church. Listen, I asked two people to come. I've, I, two guys that I know that don't know the Lord, I've asked them to come to church. Both of them shot me down. Both of them shot me down. One of them said maybe. One of them said no. But guess what? I'm not giving up. I'm not just going to go, well, they said no. No, you know what? Because I believe that God's got a plan for their life. And I believe he's going to work and he's going to do more than I ask or imagine. And I'm just simply going to be available to go. So let me ask you a question today. Where are you at today? Are you at first base? Everybody's at first base today. If you're at first base and you're stuck, could you go to second base? Could you serve? Or could you go to third base? Could you get in a group? Could you do that? Could we all go home? Could we all go home? Could we all just, man, just make sure that, man, I'm going to run the bases. I'm running. I'm going to run to win. I'm going to see people come to faith. I'm going to trust the Lord. I want to see him do things more than I ask or imagine. Maybe today you need Jesus Christ. Because it doesn't work without him. You may be running. You may, things may be going great in your life. Listen, I have no idea. Maybe your job's going well and everything, but I'm telling you, you're not going to win without Jesus. It's impossible. Maybe today is the day that you need Jesus Christ. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to close with a prayer. Then we're going to stand and have a time of commitment. If you want to hear what my heart is, my heart is I want you to win. I want you to win no matter who you are, no matter what's going on. I just want you to win. And so, maybe as the band's playing, if you need to speak to someone, I'll be down front. My wife Leslie's down here. Or maybe you want to come up front and pray and ask the Lord to work in your life. Maybe you're stuck on one of these bases, or maybe you don't know what your next step is and you need wisdom. We just want to facilitate a time for you to spend with the Lord because it doesn't work without Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.
Father, we come to you today. Lord, I don't know where everybody's at. I know we all want to win, though. There's not a person here today that doesn't want to win in their life. And Lord, we're probably all running in some way or shape or form. That doesn't mean we're winning. And so, Lord, I pray for the person here today that they realize that they need you for the first time. And, Lord, I pray for that person to just simply repeat it after me in their seat. Jesus, I'm trusting you with my life. I want to win, and I can't win without you. And so, Lord, today I'm believing in you, that you have a plan for my life that you love me, that you have saved me, and you want to work good in me. And Lord, with our heads bowed, is there anybody here today, and you've prayed that prayer for the first time, would you raise your hand just so I can say, is there anybody? Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yes. Amen. Lord. And then follow for the rest of us. Lord, we want to run to win. We don't want to be stuck. We just want to run and just experience the joy of following you when we do what we're supposed to do, when we see you move, when we attend, when we serve, when we grow, and when we go. And Lord, we want to watch you work. And so Lord, I pray for you to do your work in us today. And if that means us sitting in our seat and committing to you, if that means just coming forward and, and committing to you, if that means just coming forward and just confessing to you that we don't know what to do when we need help or if someone needs prayer today, Lord, that would happen during this time. We love you. Lord, help us to run to win. In Jesus' name, amen.